Previously on the Nature of My Game podcast. He sees the first two sitting on their motorcycle and he thinks, shit. And then he sees the empty third motorcycle and he thinks, shit. You may or may not be wearing a, a, a button-up shirt with octopuses on it. So you, you definitely look like a tourist. Trying to clear the street, you know, move along, move along, go, go get to where you're going. If you're heading home, you know, if you're going to a bar, shopping, whatever you're doing, please move along. I think I could get to you faster than you can get to that gun. I'd move along if I were you. I'll be, uh, Bart Johnson. He's from Sarasota, Florida. And, uh, Susan Forte? There is an Olivia Leo listed in the registry. So we have a problem, obviously. How many nights are you, do you think you're going to be staying? Or are you some of those travelers that like to fly by the seat of your pants and just stay as long as you feel like? Just discreetly kill him. I I don't feel great about killing the innocent clerk, but he was pretty rude before. There's a guy up there who just is kind of like looking around. Seems a little out of place. I will say, no, no, take a seat and I will literally throw a chair at him. Teddy and Fabio hear a knock on the hotel room door and you hear a voice say, you two need to let us in right now or we're breaking down the door. London, England, December 20th, 1992. Callie Caldwell was driving north along the M1 motorway through the suburbs north of London, and she was going very fast. Of course, she had to, because she was on the run. Images flickered through Callie's mind as she drove, barely noticing the other cars on the road as she weaved around them. Images of her family, her twin brother Gavin, her husband Jasper, and especially her daughter Ella, were interspersed with other images, ones she knew she could never forget, no matter how much she wanted to. It was those images, of documents and video footage and photographs, that had led her to where she was now, escaping. She had told herself over and over again that it couldn't be true. From the moment that she first suspected that something was amiss to just a few days ago, she had convinced herself that it couldn't possibly have happened. But now she knew the truth, and worse, they knew she knew. Callie slipped around a few more cars and sped up even more. If she could get out of the city, outside of the suburbs and into the countryside, she had a chance. She had been trained for this, after all, had practiced pulling herself out of dire situations, but she never expected she'd be fleeing those who had trained her. How could this have happened? She had been fighting for years to ensure that her fellow citizens wouldn't be exposed to things they weren't meant to know, to make sure that those things, otherworldly things, were kept at bay. And she had done it all under a cloak of secrecy, she thought she and those she worked with were the ones with the secrets, but oh how wrong she had been. And now, to know that some of the people she had been working with for years not only had ulterior motives, but weren't even, she shuddered at the thought, weren't even human, that was more than she could handle. But she would have to handle it, for her own sake, and most importantly, for Ella's sake. Suddenly, Callie's focus snapped back to the motorway in front of her. She had thought her path had started to clear, but she now saw cars up ahead. They were headed her way and driving on her side of the road. They were driving at her. She had been found.
So I want the three of you to think back. Think back to when you were 10 years old, so 20, 25 years ago for everyone. And I want you to try to get in the mind of that of that 10-year-old. What do you think they would say if you told them that 20 or 25 years later, you would be on a weekend sitting, playing a role-playing game about secret agents and vampires and recording it so that other people could listen to it? What do you think they would think? I mean, I, I think... 10-year-old Chris would think it sounds awesome. <laughs> this is exactly okay. the sort of thing 10-year-old Chris was, you know, gearing up to do, so. <laughs> would he, do you think he would like the secret agents, the vampires, the game, or the recording most? Probably all of the above. The recording the least, just because I think he wouldn't really have had a concept of podcasts or anything sure. at the time. <laughs> <laughs> and if he had, he would stand to make a lot of money eventually. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> ten-year-old, Chris, ten-year-old Chris was really on the, the, the cutting edge of the podcast world. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I actually can picture ten-year-old Chris listening to podcasts, even if they didn't exist yet. He, he, was, he, he had like... He had found them somewhere in the in the corners of the of the internet, and he was listening to like a podcast analyzing Dante canto by canto. <laughs> Ahead of the curve, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what ten year old Katie would have to say about this. I feel as if she would be, she'd be excited. I think I, I think she would be all about this. Actually, she I feel like growing up, I loved well, I loved games, so I would probably be all about the game aspect. I don't know if I was ever super into action movies as a kid. I don't even know as an adult now if I'm that into action movies. <laughs> I'm really into this game, but... Uh, so maybe that's something I should explore further. But, uh, no, I think 10-year-old Katie would be all about this. I think she'd be super excited to hear that I was part of this. Awesome. 10-year-old um, Tommy was... Oh, gosh, I would say probably maybe a year or two away from getting his first like Dungeons and Dragons books. So, I mean, <laughs> I think I, I would have been totally into this. Like it's, it would have been right up my alley already. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. He was, he was primed and ready to go. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think he'd be stoked for this. I think 10 year old Eric would be most excited that he could, play something like this where he could he could explore like a, an adventure or a story but not have to press the buttons that are required when playing a video game because I was <laughs> and remain a terrible video game player for some reason I cannot <laughs> press the buttons in the order and with the speed that I need to to be successful in playing video games and I've played so many video games in my life like I growing up like that was definitely a thing that I spent a lot of time on and I'm so bad at it <laughs> like I'm truly, truly, truly terrible, and so I would play a game like, uh, like uh, Ocarina of Time, like the Zelda 64 game, and I would like I had more fun watching my cousin play because he could actually do the things that were required to move forward in the story, whereas I could not do it. Uh, I love that so much. <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah, so this so this is great because I can I can make up the story as I go, and I just have to roll dice to see whether I'm successful. I don't actually have to press any combination of buttons uh to make it to make it happen so i still think i i, I think so i think 10 year old eric and and 32 year old eric feel the exact same way that this is a perfect way to channel this type <laughs> this type of experience for myself 
Um, all right, so um, so where we left off um, with our with our agents is they are in Marrakesh, Morocco, on the on the on the trail of a uh, a woman, a journalist named Olivia Leo. They have been they have been hired to try and kind of pick her up and save her from whoever is pursuing her. And the three of them have have started to try to find her. They were able to at least track where she was staying to a, a hostel um, in Marrakesh, in kind of the the primary market square uh, called the Riyadh Rouge. And they found that there are some there were already some people there that seemed to be kind of watching for Olivia. Fabio and Teddy went inside. They they booked a room for themselves so they could get inside from a from a very um, annoyed clerk, annoyed and bored clerk. But they they got a room, and when they went upstairs, they they were able to identify Olivia Leo's room. Uh, they also saw that there was somebody kind of walking around up there who looked like they didn't belong, looked like they might be looking for for the same thing. And so Fabio created a bit of a diversion with a with a minor explosion, more like just some loud fireworks. And Teddy uh, snagged the master key from behind the desk, and they got into Olivia Leo's room. But Fabio was spotted, and so um, some of the men who were watching the watching the hotel are at the door of Olivia Leo's room. Meanwhile. Uh, Gavin outside tried to stealthily approach the man who was sitting in the cafe who seemed to be kind of running things and they got into a bit of a brawl tables and chairs were thrown punches were thrown and just as as Gavin was about to pull out his switchblade to threaten this guy um, a couple Moroccan police uh, Moroccan police officers have just showed up and so that's where things stand right at the moment and we're going to we're going to start inside the Riyadh Rouge inside Olivia Leo's hotel room with Teddy and Fabio. And they've just heard a banging on the door and someone say, you better open up the door, we're gonna break it down. What do you do? Well, how long would it take me to make some sort of explosive? Like we could put on the door and blow it outwards at them without harming us, ideally. Yeah, I think that I think something like that would take you significantly longer to try to kind of prepare and put yeah. in there. You could do something. You could you could like pretty quickly maybe make like a Molotov cocktail like thing that you could open up and throw out. But like to actually time something and blow blow out the door, I think probably would take too long. Mm-hmm. And I think you would also be thinking about the fact that like you know anything like that is re- like is really going to start to draw potentially unwanted attention down on you um you yeah. know if there's an explosion at a t- at a tourist hotel <laughs> like the <laughs> the the moroccan yeah. swat team might soon be on its way <laughs> yeah that's a good point <laughs> hmm. is there like a a peephole in the door like, can we look out yeah there is a peephole um and you now you see that there are there are three people standing out there. There's the the man who was up in the in the hallways of the second floor, along with the two young Moroccan men who had been sitting outside on the motorcycles. And they do look like they're ready to try to kind of kick down the door. It's not like they have a battering ram or anything, but they they definitely look like they're they're uh, they're planning to come in if they can figure out a way to do so. Hmm. Is the room worth investigating? Like, is there stuff? Is Olivia's stuff in the room, or is it just basically, it looks like it's been deserted? 
So, um, yeah, so it, it does look like there are, there is, um, a little bit left in the room. Like, it doesn't, it, you know, her, there's no, like, suitcase or clothes or anything like that. But you do see, like, there's some paper scattered around. There, it looks like there's a manila folder sitting on, sitting on the desk in one corner of the room. So it does seem like, you know, she, maybe she left in a hurry and left a few things behind. Okay, so maybe I, like, motion to Fabio to, like, collect as much as he can or, like, search around the room and I'll go to the door and try and, like, kind of buy us a little bit of time. So, like, talk to the the people and I maybe, like, make up some, like, pretend, like, play dumb, like, I don't know who they are. Kind of, like, we're, oh, we were just, like, I don't know how to, how to phrase this correctly. Basically, just try and, like, talk to them while Fabio's going around the room searching for something that could possibly be, like, of use to us. But I have my gun, like, at the ready. So if they do break down the door, like I'm prepared to to shoot. Sounds good. Um, and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna provide the same warning to you that I provided to uh, Fabio, which is, and it, it says this in the adventure: dead bodies cause trouble. Um, so just keep that in mind um, as you're as you're considering whether or not to to gun down the three people as they enter the room. You I didn't certainly say can. I was gonna do it. <laughs> I, I, just, just I just want ready. you to keep. I just want you to keep in mind <laughs> that, that 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 could cause you more issues than you're thinking. In addition to how loud firearms are. Oh, I was I wasn't sure. I was trying to consider how loud a gunshot would be. I thought that that would be more the quieter than the potential explosive. So I thought we might be able to get away with it, kind of like <laughs> shoot and run. But I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> Quieter, probably, but I don't. I I don't know whether, like you know, like those movie versions of silencers. Like I'm not sure those are real. Those aren't real. Oh. Yeah, I don't no. think so. My, underst- my understanding is they are not. Yes, <laughs> it's still fairly loud. You've got James Bond firing like a like a, a Glock that, and it sounds like it sounds like a blow dart because he's got yeah. this he's got this <laughs> tube over the top of it. I don't think that that's real. Has um has like the disturbance from the little explosive kind of died down like it didn't attract too much attention and you know like the moroccan swat team is not descending on the hotel right now it's just kind of faded away it doesn't seem like the moroccan swat team is is um is descending because it doesn't seem like there there wasn't much of uh there was very little damage done it was mostly a loud noise but in okay, fact, the yeah. you know the clerk and other people are definitely still investigating it which is why I think the three of them feel like they can kind of put a little pressure on you because other people are not really around looking. Right. So it sounds like the plan at this point, and you can tell me if you want to change it, but it sounds like um, Teddy is going to open the door and try to kind of stall a little bit while Fabio kind of searches the room for anything that might be um, helpful, any any kind of information or, or documents or things that could be helpful to you. Correct. Yeah, that's good with me. All right, so so Fabio, you, uh, Teddy gives you a couple seconds to look around. You do see, the, the first thing that you see and you grab is a scribbled note with an address on it and a name. Um, the name is Hassan Safet, H-A-S-A-N-S-A-F-E-T. Um, it looks like somebody scribbled it hastily, so like maybe she was being dictated to and kind of wrote it down in a hurry. Um, and so you kind of grab that and stick it in, stick it in your pocket as Teddy um, starts to open the door. And as you do, and before you get any words out, Teddy, the lead guy throws his shoulder into the door and kind of tries to knock you backwards. 
um, to get into the room. So we're going to go into initiative. And so I think that we're going to go with just your your hand-to-hand pool for now as our as our initiative order. So um, Fabio and Teddy, what is your what is your hand-to-hand score? I have six. I am a four in hand-to-hand. All right. So so the the lead guy kind of throws his shoulder into the door and kind of knocks you backwards, and they they flood into the room. Um, and and one of the two guys uh, who was sitting outside, one of the two Moroccan guys who was sitting outside, kind of moves swiftly and kind of slips by Teddy and moves toward Fabio. And this is this is not the guy that had the knife. Uh, this is this is the other one. And he kind of plants his foot on the spot and attempts to roundhouse kick you to the head. Nice. So he's gonna actually he's gonna spend one uh, and rolls a two. So that is a three, which means that he uh, he hits you. And you can tell that this guy is like trained in martial arts. Um, and he deals you two points of damage as he as as the kick kind of connects with the side of your head and, and dazes you a little bit. Uh, but you are actually up next in the initiative order. So how do you respond to this? What weapons do I have on me that I can use? I have like the pistol. Yeah, you probably have you probably have a medium pistol. If you want like a you could you could you could have grabbed like a knife or a baton of some sort if either of those if you'd prefer to kind of use weapons rather than than hand to hand or you can, you know, use your hand to hand and um and try to use your fists if you if you want to go that route too. I'll, I'll go hand to hand, and I'll try to um, still try to just knock him out, like you know, right under the chin or something. And I'll spend two. Okay. I got a three. You got a three. Um, a three is enough. You uh, you kind of throw a punch in return, and maybe you know maybe you uh, maybe you kind of like throw a jab, and he knocks it out of the way. But then you come around with the other the other arm. Um, and you, you make contact. So go ahead and roll me damage here, and it's it's going to be your D6 minus 2. Okay, and that was a 3 without adding the 2, actually, so it was a 5. Oh, it was a 5, yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> a 2. Do I add again? Uh, no, it's it's actually 2 minus 2, but a minimum of 1, so... Um, okay, yeah. You're, he, like, he, he actually does actually, like, block both punches, and you can tell, again, he's, he's like, trained in martial arts. But you've like you're pretty strong, and so he, you know, the the two blows, even though he blocked them, it's kind of starting to wear him down a little bit. Teddy, you are up, and so you know, all three of these people are in the room. You're in like pretty close contact with the two that that haven't gone after Fabio, and then there's the one guy in the back that Fabio's fighting. You you do okay. you said you have your gun in your hand. What would you like mm-hmm. to do? Can I try and like so there's there's two guys. Yeah, and the door is still open too. Like they they've kind of like pushed their way through the door. Okay. And we can start with like a we can start with the goal, the goal you have in mind before we get to the specifics. Like, do you want to shoot them? Do you want to try to kind of knock them out? Something else? No, I feel I feel as if I don't have to. I don't need to to kill them necessarily. I think we just at this point need to get out of this room and escape. So maybe I try and like elbow the one guy and then with one arm and then the guy the arm that I'm like holding the gun in I like try and hit the other guy with the gun. Sure. Sure. So um, go ahead and give me. Um, go ahead and give me. Let's start with a. Uh, let's start with a hand-to-hand roll. Okay. Oh, six. All right. So, uh, yeah, and I should have asked you whether you wanted to spend anything, but you don't have to because you because uh, you rolled a six anyway. So uh, go ahead and roll me roll me another another d six to see how much damage you do. Okay. Four. 
Four, minus two. All right, so you kind of throw an elbow up into the guy, uh, into the face of the guy who kind of pushed his way through the door, the one who had been kind of stalking the second floor. And you catch him You catch him under the nose, and he, he kind of, like, bounces back, um, and his nose starts bleeding a little bit. And so you, at that, you actually can only, you can only do one attack per turn, but you're, you, you, like, hit him, in, you, like, hit him across the face, and then you're, like, turning to knock the other guy with your gun. But they both kind of recover in time, and the... Well, actually, yeah. So the, the the one that you hit in the nose kind of stumbles backwards and, like, pushes the door closed and, like, kind of puts his back up against the door and says, she's not here. And he, like, he's putting his his um, his finger up to his ear again, like he's talking into his earpiece again. He says, she's not here. But the other one kind of pulls out the knife that he had had stowed under his, uh, under his, his jacket, and he moves towards you, Teddy, um, and tries to stab you with the knife. He's going to spend two. Uh, and that is a four, so that hits you for ooh, four points of damage. And so he, like, catch, he like catches you across. You, like, you go up to block it, um, and you do block it, but he, like, he, like, cuts a gouge in your, in your arm, in your forearm. Uh, but you block it from doing any kind of, you know, really serious fatal damage. Um, meanwhile, Fabio and the and the other guy, the martial artist, are are still still in combat, and he like pulls a sheet off the bed and tries to kind of wrap it around you to kind of tangle you up. Um, and he's gonna spend another one, uh, and that's a three. So that is that is enough to to get you. And so he it, he doesn't um, he doesn't do any damage to you, but he kind of like gets you wrapped up in this sheet. And starts to like try to almost like pull you to the ground to force you down and, and tie you up. Uh, but you are up. Is that does the sheet prevent me from doing anything or? Not at this point, no. Is there anything on hand that might be like useful, or, like bash this guy on the head with something like that? Oh yeah, there's a there's a there's a lamp uh, that's within reach that was kind of sitting on the desk that you could reach over and like smack him over the head with if you wanted to. I I would love to do that. In fact, <laughs> absolutely. So that'll be weapons as well. So do you want to uh, tell me how much you want to spend? Oh, I only have four weapons, so I'll spend one. Okay. Six. Is that including the one or not? Yes. The one? Yeah, including the one. Yeah, so you you reach over and grab this lamp and you knock him over the head and he stumbles back. Go ahead and roll uh, roll damage and you're gonna subtract one from this instead of two because you're hitting him with a, a more blunt object than uh, than your fist. Six. Oh wow. <laughs> um, That's a big lamp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so he so he like throws this blanket over you and it's like trying to re- it's like trying to get you under control. And you like without you can like kind of see through it because it's like there's it's like a white sheet, and so he doesn't think that you can see him as clearly as you can. And you like reach behind you and grab this lamp and smack him over the head, and he falls back onto the bed. He look you look like you've knocked him out cold. All right, even the odds now. <laughs> yeah. So Teddy, <laughs> you were getting ready to you you knocked one guy in the elbow or with your elbow in the nose back up against the door. But then the other guy came at you with a knife and cut you across the arm. What would you like to do now? I'm just trying to figure out how perilous of a situation we would be in if I shot one of the guys. Because now we're inside the room, the door's closed, right? This seems like a more contained situation. Would we yeah. still attract a scene? I mean, you definitely would attract a scene. If, 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 
a gunshot is going to be loud enough that everyone in the hotel can hear it. That doesn't mean that you can't get out before, you know, the cops come or anything like that. But then they're going to start trying to figure out... You could you could draw quite a bit of, of heat for your future self because you're not going to have time to, like, scrub this place clean of your fingerprints or anything like that. So, like, you will probably be wanted for murder if you do that. <laughs> It doesn't, Fair but enough. maybe that, but maybe that's the most efficient way of, of, of solving the current problem that you're in. So I, I don't know. You also could use your gun to hit somebody over the head with if you wanted, and I'd count that as like a weapon, kind of like the lamb. Okay, because I don't know if I have, I don't have any spends in weapons. I don't think, but that doesn't mean I can't use it, right? I can still try. You don't have anything in weapons. No. Oh, then no, you you actually can't do that. So you would have to use oh. like a kick or something. Okay. And because that's hand to hand. Can you try hypnotizing one of these guys? <laughs> Eric already said I can't use it. Another thing you could do is is potentially try to shoot the person non-lethally, right? Like you could try to shoot someone in the leg if you wanted, which would still draw attention, but would be at least less deadly and less potentially dire consequences down the line. Maybe I'll just, I'll try a hand-to-hand. I'll try and throw a punch at the guy who who just stabbed me with the, my good arm, whichever one that is. Yeah, so I you probably blocked you probably blocked with the arm that has the gun in it, and so you're kind of probably swinging with the other one. Um, so how many do you want to uh, spend from your hand to hand pool? Uh, I'll spend two from my hand to hand. All right, so roll the d6 and add two. It was five plus two, so seven. Yeah, so you you definitely you definitely hit him. Uh, roll the d6 again to deal damage. Oh, six. Yes. <laughs> I'm on. Uh, no, I I was about to say that I'm a little on a bit of a hot streak right now, but I feel as if I might <laughs> have jinxed myself. Don't want to jinx it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So you uh, you swing around and you you connect with this guy right in the chin, and he stumbles back as well. And so now you know you're kind of fighting both of these guys, and they both they both come back at you. Uh, they have not noticed that their companion was was kind of knocked and sprawled on the bed by Fabio. And so they both they both come at you. One of them tries to uh, to punch you, not the one with the knife. And he is going to spend two. He definitely hits for three more points of damage. So he like comes up and like punches you in the stomach, and you feel like the wind kind of knock out of you. And then the other guy comes over uh, with the knife again. He's he's upset about the uh, the punch to the chin that you gave him. And comes over with the knife again. And he is going to, uh, he's going to spend one this time. And I roll the one, so that is a miss. He comes over, but you, you kind of get your, your good arm up in time and knock his, knock his knife thrust away. And so we're going to pause there. You're not, I just want you, you're not out, right, of health points? I don't think so. I was, how much damage did I do? Oh, gosh. Four from that knife attack, that first knife attack, and then three just now. Yeah, so seven. Oh, so I'm at two health, or two of nine. Oh, okay. You have nine. Yeah, All right. She's, you're, she's you're okay. She's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was concerned because I have seven. I, I am so not. I. I'm not great. Yeah. Yeah, we, we haven't, we haven't gotten to, uh, we haven't gotten to zero yet. So we're, we're okay. So these two come charging at Teddy. One gets a good punch in the stomach, but Teddy blocks the, the more, the more dangerous knife from the other guy. And we're going to we're going to shift quickly outside. And so, Gavin, you have just kind of pulled out, and maybe you haven't even quite flicked open your switchblade. 
when you hear mm-hmm. a shout from behind you, uh, two Moroccan police officers shouting to put down put down the weapons. Um, what do you think your immediate reaction to that is? My immediate reaction is to try to quickly put the the switchblade back away and to probably yell, "Thank God you're here! This man is this man attacked me." <laughs> I love it. You want to give me a uh, you want to give me some sort of spend to really kind of. Uh, Make that make that shout hit home. <laughs> I have so few interpersonal abilities. Oh yeah, you are really not good at interpersonal. <laughs> no, no, I I chose my I really chose my skills wisely, being not good at interpersonal abilities or fighting. Um, <laughs> so uh, I um, and the answer to that question can be no. Yeah. <laughs> As I say, unless unless something comes out of streetwise, the other thing I was trying to think of was bureau- bureaucracy, but I don't think I can. I, I don't think I can like bullshit my way into being like I kn- I know that the, these police officers superiors and like <laughs> convince them that they need to do what I say. Yeah. So I so no spend. But as soon as you know you say that you try to kind of uh, why don't you actually give me a conceal roll to see if you can get the switchblade uh, put away. Okay. Uh, that I'm actually decent at. So I'm going to spend two. And got a six, so an eight total. All right, so, you know, incredibly swiftly, you re-stow the switchblade, potentially, like, back up your sleeve or something like that. And as soon as the guy hears that the cops are here, he turns and bolts. Okay. And and the police officers kind of start moving quickly. They get up to you. They look down. They don't see the switchblade. They don't, it doesn't seem like you are, you know, particularly dangerous, and this guy is running, and so they start chasing after him. Okay, great. Great. So what do you do? I am going to uh, kind of uh, like clutch at my head and I, I've been I've been pummeled by this guy. So I'm going to just kind of put my hand up, say to the all of the various people who are standing in this cafe or like freaking out. Just be like, I'm fine. Don't worry about me. Don't worry about me. Everyone just go back to your, your coffees and, and drinks and I'll like stagger out of the cafe. I'd like to actually go over to the motorcycles, if at all possible, which I assume are still there, like the the ones that the uh, three goons had been in on. Yeah, all three motorcycles are, are sitting there, for sure. Okay. Do you want to do anything with them, or are you just going to kind of move to that area? Um, uh, can I cut, like, can I cut the handbrakes on all three of them? Hell yeah, you can. Do you have do you have any ability that would allow you that that gives you kind of well? I guess I guess this could be a drive situation. Actually, no. Um, why don't you make me a mechanics roll? Mechanics roll. Okay. Mechanics roll seems like the one. I'll spend my one mechanics point to do this. I rolled a six. There so you go. Seven. Yes, you you <laughs> slice all of the handbrake, but in a way in a way that they cannot tell that they've been sliced. Oh, nice. <laughs> I just uh. mutter fuck these guys to myself as I cut the handbrakes. <laughs> and I am actually going to I, I I guess do am I at all aware of what's of any of what's happened up in the hotel right now, from the explosion to the guys running out there. I think I saw the guys running in, right? So I know that there's possible trouble going on in there. You saw them you saw them running in. You probably heard the explosion. So I think you Mm -hmm. have some inkling that something might be going on up there for sure. And they probably also texted you the room number um, Mm -hmm. when they when they saw it on the registration book, Um, because I imagine you are all kind of in contact as all of this is happening. 
So, um, so you probably have that information as well. Okay. I'm going to go into the hotel and, and go as quickly as I can up to where they are. All right. So you start rushing in. Um, and we, what is your, um, what is your hand to hand rating? My hand to hand rating? Yes. Oh, well, it is, uh, a one. <laughs> what, what, not, not what it is currently. What, it, what is it? Is it always a total of one? Oh, uh, you mean without a, a spend? Yeah, it's a one. all right right. so you're uh you're gonna you're you're gonna be last in this order all right so um so picking back up in the room one of the one of the goons is sprawled out on the bed because of a head wound given to him by fabio with a lamp and the other two have um have just uh, moved to attack teddy uh, only one of them successfully but fabio you are up and free and clear of your combatant so what would you like to do I think I'm going to stick with my trusty lamp here <laughs> and turn to one of, uh, let's say the one with the knife. He's like close enough that I could just immediately start oh, yeah. wailing on him, right? <laughs> yes. Okay. I'm going to, I think I'll spend one in weapons and take a swing at him with the lamp. Go for it. Six. All right, so you, I, I picture the camera shot is like, it's its focused from like Teddy's point of view as she like... <laughs> As the knife's coming in, and she like reaches up to block it and knocks the knife hand out of the way, and then from off screen, Fabio comes in with the lamp and knocks him over the head. <laughs> uh, so go ahead and roll me, roll me uh, a d6 minus one for damage. Two. Uh, that is actually still enough, and you you knock him over the head, and he like slumps up against the door. What? This is a hell of a lamp. <laughs> MVP of the season, the lamp. <laughs> All right, so Teddy, you are up. There's just one person left. It was the guy that was upstairs stalking around. What would you like to do? How close am I to him? Uh, he just punched you in the stomach, so you're you're he's right up on you. <sighs> that's that's rough. Um. Teddy pulls out her gun, points it at his forehead, and pulls the trigger. <laughs> She's done playing games. Can, can I can I point the gun at him as like an intimidation, like not actually shoot it, but just like point it at him? Absolutely, you can. Um, and what do you want to say to him? Kind of like enough, like just hold the gun out and be like enough to get him to like stop. Yeah, and he like he kind of puts his arms back up and like kind of pushes himself back up against the back wall and says, "This is just for money. I I I don't care. You can. I'll stop. I'll stop." Um, and he kind of like slinks down onto the wall. Um, so we're gonna we'll, we'll we'll be out of combat as Gavin rushes up the stairs and kind of gets to the door. Um, and you hear a voice in you hear Teddy's voice inside saying. Enough. I, I'm definitely, the scene is definitely me pushing the door open with my switchblade out. And like, all right, I'm here. I can help. I, oh, okay. You've got it all. You've got it all under control. Great. Yep. Good. Good. That's good. So, so Kat, Gavin comes in. You see the two young Moroccan men who would, who would, you had seen out on the motorcycles. They're, they're slumped one on the bed and one you kind of pushed again into the corner as you opened the door. And there's another guy who's slumped down in the corner of the room and Teddy has a gun pointed at him. So what would you, what would the three of you like to do with this this guy now that you have him cornered here? I mean, I would like to find out if he knows where our target is. So I I mean, I, I have two interrogations so I would like to use that in some capacity. I support it. Yeah, so mm-hmm. you want to find out you want to find out um, if, if he knows where the target is. Is there anything else you want to find out from him as part of this interrogation? who he is working for or who whoever paid him yeah so he so he says i don't know where she is 
but they're tracking her and he like pulls out his earpiece and tosses it over to you guys. He, he says, you can, you can listen for yourself. I don't need to be a part of this anymore. He also tells you that he was, um, he was hired by a man named Hartness. And he said, all he knows about him is that he was a British agent of some sort. Doesn't know whether he's MI6 or not, but, but some sort of, sort of British agent. Um, and he says that he was hired in Gibraltar two days ago by some other Englishman, not by Hartness. And that he was that he was hired to him, both himself and um, hire some other locals to watch Olivia Leo um, and kind of when when asked to do so, if, if they were tracking her to funnel her to the old Jewish quarter uh, in the in the city. They'd been trying to track her all day and they hadn't they hadn't been able to find her. And so um, he had been kind of stationed here at the hotel to see if she hadn't left the hotel yet. Gavin. You're you're listening to him saying these things, uh, and with your tradecraft ability, along with your um, your former allegiance to MI6, mm-hmm. this is now the second time you've heard about Gibraltar, and you remember that you've heard some rumors that there's a, a secretive MI6 operation that runs a satellite station on Gibraltar, which they call the Rock, and that the office is in an old World War II era tunnel bored into the side of the Rock. You don't know, you know, you've never heard anything official about it, but those are that's a rumor that you've heard in the past. Okay. Mm. That's about all that he has to tell you, but um, you have the you now have his earpiece and there's also you can you can finish looking around the room if you want. Yeah, might as well. I I collected some stuff, right? Like some papers and and things right before the fighting started. Yeah, the only thing you were actually able to collect uh, before it started was that scribbled note with an address <laughs> in Marrakesh and some and then the, the name Hassan Safet. I was going to ask: Should we ask this guy if he has any idea who Hassan Safet is? Hmm. That's a, if that's a name he's heard, perhaps. Uh, he says that he does not know it. But if either of you want to give me a one point spend in streetwise or tradecraft, you may know something about Hassan Safet. Yeah. I have one of each. What do you guys think? I'll spend a streetwise. I have three. Okay. Okay. You're the most streetwise. Anybody ever play, uh, what's it called? Uh, NBA Street? <laughs> yes. GameCube game? <laughs> I think streetwise was the name of a move. I just, in my head, I'm hearing streetwise. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I love it. Gonna edit that in. <laughs> oh, that's, that's staying in for sure. I was, I was NBA Jam era, not NBA Street, so... <laughs> Amazing. So if you say, like, he's on fire or from downtown, <laughs> then I'll know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> I played some NBA Jam in my day, too. Yeah, so, Teddy, um, you have actually heard of this guy, Hassan Safet. He's a fixer. You know, he's not necessarily a criminal, uh, but he can get you pretty much anything, either legal or illegal, that you want, um, as long as you don't ask too many questions. Um, and he has a reputation for being a pretty good guy. But he, because of because of his job, he knows some like very bad and dangerous people, and so you know, kind of putting these things together, your interpretation is that maybe this is the guy that she was using to try to help her get out of Marrakesh. Other things that you find in the hotel room are on the desk. Looks like you know, kind of left as trash or something like that. Are travel documents and other kind of pocket litter, like receipts and ticket stubs, but they're all from Romania. Uh, so it's it's possible that Olivia Leo came to Marrakesh from Romania. 
and then there's there's a manila folder that has a lot of, of printouts in it. You, you know, at this point, it, you, you're going to actually have to take a kind of a deeper look to really see what's there. But as you kind of flip through, it seems like there's two sets of, of documents. One seems to be look, like it's photographs and like research on a some sort of industrial mining project in the Carpathian Mountains in Romania. And then there are other printouts that are like vampire folklore and Wallachian warlords and things like that. The one thing you notice as you're just kind of briefly looking through is that the format of all of these documents look very similar. You, you see some kind of um, distinguishing markers on them. You feel pretty confident that these came from the same source that sent you the documents and kind of hired you for this job. I mean, I kind of want to go check out this uh, Hassan Safit guy since we have his address. I, I feel like we don't have that many obvious, you know, next steps. Yeah, I I agree. I agree. I think that's probably the the next the next move since it does seem like all of this is interconnected. I think I I think he's got to be maybe our next. I, especially if she was already in contact with him and not just trying to seek him out. Like, he may be he may be aware, fully aware of where she is. He may not even know that she's here because she wasn't able to get in touch with him. But I think he's our next our next move. No, yeah. That sounds good to me. Oh, uh, I would like to do stuff with the earpiece as well. Yeah. What would you like to What would you like to do with that? Uh, tell <laughs> <laughs> you let me know if this is all <laughs> far too like t- complicated and not because I'm in the like spy technology fantasy world here. Can I set it up to trace the like um, the frequency that it's using, for example, so I can kind of have an idea of where it's connected to, and or can I set it up to be able to record everything that comes in comes in through the earpiece? Yeah, so I'll, I'll let you take a you know maybe you you just kind of sit down with it and see what you know you start to analyze kind of what capabilities you might be able to to use to kind of turn it for for your own uh, your own devices uh, forgive the pun mm-hmm. there your own devices as you're analyzing the other two of you what do you what what's happening with this guy that's that's in the room what's your what's your plan for him i mean and gavin you can obviously contribute to this too what do you what do you think you want to do with this guy i'm just going to offer a possibility i think that we should let this man go get his bike and drive away <laughs> 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 I love it. Drive away as fast as he can, too. Yes. I'm good with that plan. Yeah, so I, I, I picture Gavin, like, says that and then, like, looks over at Teddy and Fabio and, like, gives them a big wink, like, let him go <laughs> on his motorcycle. <laughs> um, all right, so he, like, he, like, scrambles up and, like, thanks you and runs out of the room. And, Gavin, you're kind of playing around with the earpiece trying to figure out if you can, you know, if you can change the settings or anything like that to be able to do any of the things you're hoping to do. And you start to hear some sound coming through the earpiece, uh, like people are talking on the frequency. I will, I'll just, I'll kind of hold it up and indicate to both of them, and then I'm going to put it up to my ear. All right, so you, you put it in your ear and you hear someone saying, we've got eyes on her. Everybody get in position. We've got some in front, we've got some behind. Funnel her to where we need to get her so that they can take her out. And that is where we are going to end our story for right now. Oh, no. Oh, gosh. This podcast was created using Knight's Black Agents. 
written by Kenneth Haidt and published by Palgrane Press, and is based on an adventure written by Gareth Ryder Hanrahan called The Harker Intrusion. The podcast also uses material from The Dracula Dossier, written by Kenneth Haidt and Gareth Ryder Hanrahan, and music from Dust and Mirrors, written by James Semple. All of these are used under the Palgrain Press Limited Community Use Policy. Our intro music was composed and produced by Jean-Luc Bouchard. You can find more information about the Nature of My Game podcast at NOMG Podcast on Twitter and Instagram or at nomgpodcast.com. <laughs>